Spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Chaminade University. Aloha and good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in here on this Monday morning. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise, and this is Spotlight Hawaii on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. And Yanji, this morning we head back to the Hawaii State Capitol. That's right. Joining us live from his office at the Capitol is Governor David Ige. Good morning, Governor. Good morning. Thanks, Yanji. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you really for giving me this opportunity to, to talk and dialogue with the public. Well, we appreciate you being here, and there's some good news this morning, relatively speaking. Uh, I believe it's 97 cases today. This is the first time we've seen double digits for a while. When we had Dr. Libby Char on uh, last week, she said that when we were at a daily average of double digits, that was a level that she would feel comfortable with. You know, I mean, we don't want any COVID in our community, but that was a level that she was more comfortable with. Uh, how are you feeling about things right now? Yeah, certainly the the trend is in the right direction, and um, you know we continue to relax restrictions, and we want to be careful and thoughtful about that because what we would like to get is uh, where the the new case counts are below a hundred. That's something that we're certain that our healthcare system could respond to. We can do the contact tracing and identify those who are sick, and then really provide them healthcare, which is what we all want. One of the things that happened this past weekend, of course, the University of Hawaii football team was able to play in front of some limited fans uh, at their field. We also saw the reopening of uh, other venues that allowed vaccinated uh, people to come in into their facilities. Uh, what are your thoughts with this overall rollout? And when do you think any more changes will be made to accommodate uh, potentially even more uh, people into some of these venues? You know, Ryan, we'll be looking at it uh, every two to three weeks and um, slowly increasing um, the numbers that we'll be able to, to um, you know, go to events and activities. Uh, you know, what we want to make certain is that we don't um, start to surge again. And, you know, what we're concerned about is that if we reopen too quickly, that the case count exceeds 100 and, and we'll never be able to get it down below 100. Speaking of large events, one of the marquee events for December in Hawaii, of course, is the marathon. What are your thoughts on that going forward? Do you expect the marathon to be able to take place? Yeah, certainly. Uh, we've been meeting with the mayors, and I know that um, I spoke with Mayor Blangiardi specifically about the marathon. You know, we're hopeful that the case counts will drop, and, um, you know, he's given the green light to the marathon um, being held. And, and we're hopeful that um, the trend continues so that we can expand uh, the participation in the marathon. As you know, it is one of the premier um, athletic events. It's outdoors. Um, we do believe that we can uh, hold it in a safe way. You know, it won't be the same um, marathon as um, it usually happens because we won't get the number of visitors from Japan uh, that we normally get. Um, but we are hopeful that we can uh, expand participation and uh, increase it as the case counts remain low. 
Speaking of visitors from Japan, we know beginning November 8th, the U.S. will welcome back in visitors and citizens traveling from international destinations. And earlier today, the White House actually said that it will require U.S.-bound travelers to provide proof of COVID vaccination, contact information for contact tracing, and also show a proof of a negative COVID test that was taken three days before departure. Uh, but another change that they announced today was that the inbound travelers, including citizens, as well um, as visitors who are unvaccinated will have to show a proof of a negative test taken one day uh, before travel. Uh, how will these new policies, you think, impact the overall uh, safe travels program here that we have set up in the state of Hawaii? You know, Ryan, we're working to ensure that um, we can align with the new travel requirements, especially for uh, international travel. Um, you know, it's a huge difference for international travel because uh, the airlines will take responsibility for ensuring that the travelers meet all of the requirements uh, of the United States in order to enter. Uh, we have been talking with our travel partners, the airlines, you know, from Japan, Canada, Australia, who are all interested in restarting international travel. Um, and we're working to assure that um, they are uh, completing the uh, vaccination verification. You know, we also are working, Ryan, to uh, get samples of what an Australian uh, vaccination record looks like, what the Japanese and the South Koreans uh, and Canadians, just so that um, we can distribute that to our businesses as well. I mean, I know that many will still be requiring vaccination, and uh, we want to make sure that as many in our community can recognize what uh, you know a Japanese, Australian, South Korean uh, vaccination record looks like so that they can allow those who are vaccinated into their facilities. You know, beyond the international travelers, just sort of broadly speaking, how long do you think safe travels, that program will t stay in place? Is there a national vaccination threshold that you're looking at to say, okay, when this much of the, the you know, the U.S. mainland has been vaccinated, then we can lift this program? Or is that something that you just expect to be part of the Hawaii travel experience for some time to come? You know, Yanji, we do anticipate that safe travels for domestic will continue as long as there are those traveling who are not vaccinated. Um, you know, we do want to protect uh, our public and about a third of the travelers are not uh, vaccinated or not tested um, right now. I guess maybe it's not a third, about 20% of those traveling uh, don't get tested and don't prove their vaccination status. So. We want to make sure that those uh, travelers are subject to quarantine uh, and isolation because um, if they're not vaccinated and they don't test, we want to be able to isolate them. There are some who are calling for the state to maybe amend the Safe Travels Program to be more in line with uh, what the international rules may be. You know, So would you, I guess at this point, consider changing things within the Safe Travels Program to also require, um, you know, a three-day test for those that are vaccinated and uh, maybe a one-day test for those that are unvaccinated prior to travel to keep everything in line with what maybe the federal guidelines are? You know, certainly, Ryan, remember, for those who are unvaccinated uh, traveling domestically, they are subject to quarantine when they arrive here. They can take a pre-travel test, a PCR test, and um, be exempted from quarantine um, uh, 72 hours before. You know, we uh, are constantly looking at um, the changing CDC guidelines. 
I know that the CDC has begun to recognize antigen tests. So we're looking at uh, which ones of those tests we believe are accurate and reliable um, that we would want to incorporate into Safe Travels program. Um, you know, we are trying to be as aligned with uh, the CDC requirements. Uh, you know, even though everyone or there are a number of states that have ordered uh, quarantine for those who are not tested or not vaccinated, Hawaii is the only one who's actually doing something about it and being able to identify those who are not vaccinated or pre-tested uh, and really um, trying to ensure that they are in quarantine. So if Safe Travels is here to stay for the foreseeable future, and we know that immunity does wane, which is why boosters are being recommended for our elderly population, and eventually uh, the expectation is that the entire population will uh, likely have access to and perhaps even be required to have a booster for vaccine verification, do you anticipate having to have boosters as part of the Safe Travel program, you know, so that the immunization is up to date, if you will? Um, we are working to incorporate the boosters into uh, the Safe Travels program, at least uh, recording the information. Um, you know, uh, Yanji, the data continues to show that vaccinations are very effective at preventing um, serious illness and uh, reducing uh, the possibility of death. Um, and so I think that that's uh, the good news in a lot of the data that was presented. Uh, we do want to, and I do believe that um, our community, uh, those who are already vaccinated, are anxious to get the booster. Um, you know, I think that all of us understand that it's not only about keeping ourselves safe, it really does, uh, the booster will help us keep our family members safe, especially those who are younger, uh, you know, our young children who are not able to get vaccinated at this time. Uh, and it really does help us uh, keep our, our friends and neighbors uh, protected because if I don't get COVID, then I won't be able to give it to someone else. Are you at all concerned about the number of visitors that could potentially be coming to our shores here? Uh, we know that you made a, a statement last week saying that beginning November 1st, you welcoming in all those who are vaccinated and that Hawaii will be open for business once again. Uh, so when you factor that announcement in with the travel from the U.S. mainland, as well as these international travelers. Uh, for Are you concerned at all that we could see a large uptick and the overall capacity of what we are able to handle right now? And some of the concerns that were brought up during the last surge over the summer that we saw between visitors and locals. You know, Ryan, we are fully into implementing uh, the destination management action plans that uh, HTA has been working with. Uh, the, the industry as well as the community to identify really those hotspots and friction points. Uh, and we are really uh, beginning to fund uh, the solutions that have been identified. You know, we're hopeful that the legislature will fund HTA so we can continue those actions because it's really important. It's not a one-shot um, activity. We do know that we have to be focused on these friction points and really uh, find solutions and implement them to uh, to reduce um, the impact of visitors on our communities. Um, we we expect a slow ramp up, especially from international travel. Uh, I've been speaking with the airlines. You know, they don't anticipate an, a, a huge rush. Uh, they'll be increasing um, the number of flights as they can fill them. Uh, but, you know, there still is a global hesitancy about travel. You know, COVID is still 
uh, something that um, people are concerned about. Um, you know, if they're vaccinated, I think they uh, would be in a better position to travel. But we don't, um, you know, we expect a strong um, winter season for our um, visitor industry. That would allow them time to uh, increase the hiring. As you know, it's been it's been difficult to hire the employees that they need. Um, but what we're trying to do is uh, be thoughtful in how we lax the restrictions uh, so that our restaurants can, um, you know, get back to uh, hiring uh, employees, our hotels, um, and we can slowly expand capacity. So as visitors return, uh, they have have things to do and places to go. One of the places we know they like to go are restaurants. Heidi has a question. Can you please ask if Governor Ige and Mayor Blangiardi will keep safe access, she means safe access Oahu in place, and if it will expand to all the islands? We know that uh, safe access Oahu obviously is the purview of Mayor Blangiardi, but there was talk at one point of perhaps having vaccine verification for certain venues statewide. Is that something that you're looking at at all? Uh, we certainly are, uh, Yanji, and talking about it. And we have been talking with the um, Hawaii Restaurant Association. Um, you know, what I've heard loud and clear is um, they would, what they need is some planning um, horizon. You know, they can't instantly open up or they can't instantly shut down or it really creates um, fiscal impacts for them. Um, so we want to, we'll be working with them about how to, uh, in a safe way, expand capacity in the restaurants and and get back to that new normal. You know, as 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 you are aware, Dr. Char talked about um, a, a baseline caseload of less than 100 is what she would be comfortable with. I think if we can do that and get our restaurants back to a full capacity in a safe way and not see that surge, I think that that's what we're building to. And we do know that relaxing the restrictions in a measured way will help us get there. One of the big pushes has been for, of course, vaccinations. And we did see that uptick during the surge of the Delta. Uh, right now, the focus seems to be on boosters and getting those shots out available, as well as the uh, vaccine available for children. If you can give us an update as to this point in time, are you happy with where we're at with the state, uh, the vaccination rate, and what efforts are, is the state doing to help to prepare for getting these vaccines available for children? Um, yep, thanks, Ryan, for that question. We, you know, the state has responded very well. I think the vaccination rollout uh, in Hawaii has gone uh, better than um, virtually every other state in the country. Uh, and really wanted to thank our private sector partners, you know, the, the hospitals, uh, HPH, Queens, um, they all have really stepped up to the challenge. They've made their facilities and their um, employees available uh, to help us get people vaccinated. So I think we're in a real good position. The boosters, as you know, there was a lot of boosters um, approved uh, at the end of last week, um, boosters for um, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. And the whole notion that uh, if you have and you are vaccinated for any of the vaccines, approved that you can get a booster from any of the others, I, I think will make it a lot easier to administer uh, vaccinations. We are getting prepared for vaccinations for children. And, and I know I've, I've spoken with many parents, and, um, moms and dads who are just anxious 
um, you know, their children are not vaccinated and they um, want to get their children vaccinated. Uh, so we are uh, really preparing. Um, we've already placed orders for um, the, the children's vaccines. Uh, our allocation is about 40,000 doses, which is about a third of um, those uh, children ages 5 to 11. Um, you know, we'll have more than 150 locations where, where pe their, people can get their children vaccinated. We are planning uh, vaccinations in schools, and there's more than 100 schools that have already uh, indicated that they would want to uh, make vaccines available on their campuses. Um, so we, uh, we believe that this is a game changer. You know, it really gives parents the opportunity to protect their children. Uh, and we want to be prepared and we'll be rolling out the vaccines as quickly as we can receive them. I want to dive a little deeper into those numbers. You said 40,000. Is that something that will come in waves or is that a, an initial shipment? Will we expect all that 40,000 to be available at the same time? Tell us a little bit about that rollout uh, when it comes to the numbers. And I would assume that once we exhaust the 40,000, hopefully we get more. Right. So, Yunji, the White House um, has really uh, been focused on uh, distribution of the vaccine. And, um, you know, they have been working with uh, Pfizer specifically. Uh, the vaccine for children will be packaged entirely differently uh, than the vaccines for adults. Uh, you know, it'll be more stable. You know, it won't need the ultra cold storage all the way through the process. Um, the, the children's vaccine will be um, able to be stored in a, in a normal refrigerator. Uh, so that really makes it a lot uh, simpler to have clinics, you know, at schools and, and elsewhere in our community. Um, and the White House allowed pre-ordering. So we placed the order. They said that it would ship as soon as the CDC gives its approval. They expect that, um, you know, they're meeting on November 2nd and the 3rd. We are planning to be ready for our first um, children's vaccination clinics uh, beginning in and around November 8th, you know, assuming that it's approved on the uh, second, third, or the fourth. Um, and we want to make it available as broadly all across the state as we can. You know, you mentioned schools as a possible place where those uh, vaccination sites may be held. Uh, how do you, you go about managing that? Uh, of course, there is the concern that parents would want to be there or would want to make sure and ensure that they are giving the green light for their child to do it. And it's not something that may just happen. Um, how, can you speak through that process? What does that process look like with it being distributed in schools and just being having the parents overall, uh, you know, support and approval for this to happen? Yeah, certainly, Ryan. You know, we are taking um, the the school uh, flu vaccination efforts that we've done in the past. Uh, no child will be vaccinated unless they get um, approval of their parent, um, and that will have to be documented before the the child would be uh, scheduled for a vaccination. Uh, so, you know, we are prepared because we've done school vac um, vaccination efforts for flu and other things. Um, we feel pretty confident that only those um, children who have their parents' approval will be vaccinated. You know, we'll be coordinating. The, the way that it would work, Ryan, is if a school wants to host a, a clinic, they are informing uh, the Department of Health. The department is working with uh, healthcare providers, you know, pharmacies, um, clinics, 
to be able to staff. Uh, they all have very explicit requirements. They will um, verify the identity of the child. They will make sure that um, that approval has been uh, documented and they've seen uh, a copy of it uh, before they administer the vaccine. So we're, we're confident. We've done vaccinations at schools before. Uh, we know that we have the systems that would allow us to do it um, safely and effectively. And most importantly, that only children who have their parents' approval uh, will get vaccinated. On a personal note, on the subject of boosters, have you gotten a booster yet? And if not, when do you plan to get one? Um, Yanji, I, uh, I haven't gotten my booster yet, and we are definitely uh, working through that. Um, we did have a, a pop-up um, uh, vaccination clinic for the cabinet. So we all were vaccinated in and around the same time. Uh, so we'll probably be organizing that for uh, cabinet members that want to do that. Um, but as you know, uh, anyone can go to um, CVS or uh, any of the pharmacies. Uh, most of them are, are providing um, vaccinations and they can get uh, their boosters there. I'll probably in the next week or so uh, get my booster. One of, another restriction that continues to remain in place are the mask mandates that you have uh, included within the emergency proclamations. How long do you think we will continue on with uh, the mask mandates, be it indoors or outdoors? We know that uh, this has been going on for some time now, uh, and it has been a, a level of protection, if you will, uh, against the virus. But is this something that could be a, a long-term thing, or do you think that this could be something that could be lifted uh, sooner rather than later? You know, Ryan, I think it uh, it's uh, two different perspectives of that. You know, I'm um, I'm inspired to see so many uh, people continuing to wear masks. You know, when I'm out for a run or out um, exercising outdoors, I continue to see people uh, wearing their masks, even though it's not required at all. Um, so. Um, we are looking at, I, I, I do believe that indoors um, masks, um, are, a mask requirement will remain um, until we can get to that point where um, the case counts are below the 100, as, as Dr. Chai had talked about, uh, or that the virus activity really stabilizes. Um, you know, in most of the CDC literature that I've seen, and just talking in gov um, talking with governors of other states, the one regret, the big regret that I hear from a lot of governors is the fact that they dropped the uh, indoor mask um, mandate too early. Um, they saw a surge in their cases, and uh, it became very difficult to reinstitute the mask mandate. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that we would have that problem here in Hawaii, but uh, we do know and understand that masks, especially indoors, uh, does uh, um, protect the individual as well as the community should, uh, should someone be infected. So if, I, I know it's hard to nail down a timeline, but just for our own planning, how long should we expect to wear them? I mean, is this something that obviously through the end of the year is the sense that I'm getting at least to the end of the holidays, do you think it'll last very long into 2022? I know you don't want to give us a specific date, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people would like to know when they can finally stop wearing them. Um, you know, Yanji, I do think, and as long as we continue to see the current trend and the case counts are dropping as we uh, proceed forward, 
uh, we are hopeful that a lot of the restrictions will end uh, by the end of the year. Um, you know, we continue to see progress. Uh, I did want to also let people know, though, that as uh, as people begin to travel again, as you know, um, Thanksgiving is a, a busy travel season uh, and, and residents um, travel a lot during the holidays, uh, that anytime there is significant travel of residents, we will see an increase in the number of cases. That's just, um, you know, uh, there'll be, people are traveling to areas that uh, have higher uh, incidence of COVID. Uh, and we know that there's a pretty direct correlation between residents traveling uh, and increases in cases. So we do anticipate a little bit of an increase due to uh, travel uh, of residents. Um, and we are uh, just asking everybody to be vigilant, right? To, to understand that traveling is a risky activity if they are traveling uh, to make sure they wear, wear their mask, uh, especially on the flights. And, um, and we ask them to get tested when they get back and pay attention to any COVID sy symptoms uh, that they might see and, and get tested right away. I want to quickly ask about the labor workforce. We know that unemployment numbers continue to uh, drop, which is a, a good sign. But overall, we continue to hear from employers who say that they are understaffed, that they are having a difficult time finding skilled workers. We're seeing it in just about every industry and not something that's confined here to the state of Hawaii, but a problem that's nationwide. What are your thoughts about this uh, growing concern over just the ability and the, the capabilities that these uh, employers are, are being able to staff their their jobs their their companies and and having those adequate workers in place uh, is this at all a concern for you and, and how do you think the state can assist with that yeah it is a concern of mine ryan i i know that for um, many businesses they are having a difficult time attracting uh, workers you know i do think that it's um one of the changes that this pandemic has brought i mean it's uh, everybody um um, began working from home. And I think both businesses as well as employees, um, you know, saw the benefits of working from home, you know, having more flexibility, being able to um, stop wasting time in traffic. And, uh, and, you know, I think a lot of businesses found that uh, their employees were actually more productive, especially if uh, they could do their jobs uh, remotely. I think the other thing that we're seeing, Ryan, I think is everybody um, is realizing that they can work for virtually any company anywhere in the world. And um, maybe they're not satisfied going back to the, the work that they were doing before the pandemic or at least exploring other options and changing careers. Uh, so I, I think that, uh, you know, we are working with um, the chamber and other business organizations to uh, help um, promote um, job fairs and other kinds of activities to get em employee more employees for the businesses. Uh, I do think, though, that every business is rethinking about um, pay and benefits and about different things that they can do to create uh, a, a attractive career and attractive opportunity to um, to lure um, workers back to their companies and and I do think that uh, everybody benefits. I mean, I think that um, having um, better uh, wages and better benefits uh, makes for more committed and loyal employees. Uh, and I do know that one of the things about Hawaii is our 
loyalty to um, the businesses and organizations that we work for. So I think it really um, will all work out um, for the better in the long run, but it is requiring all of us to examine um, what our businesses and organizations stand for and, and really think about um, what we can do to improve the working conditions for employees and attract um, highly qualified and motivated individuals. We are almost out of time, but I want to give you an opportunity to share a final message with our audience today. Of course, Halloween is coming up this weekend. Uh, last year at this time, we were encouraging everyone to trick-or-treat via Zoom. What are you, what's your advice to families as we head into the holiday season? And just a final thought this morning. Yeah, thanks, Yunji. I, You know, it is safer being outdoors and certainly um, our children have um, had to deal with different kinds of Halloweens, and uh, this is the first Halloween in a couple of years that can get back to any semblance of normal. Uh, I know that many organizations will continue to do drive-by trick-or-treating, which I think is a good thing. I think um, that um, is a safe way for children to uh, experience the Hall Halloween festivities. Uh, but it, um, it's a good time if, uh, if parents um, want to dress their children up and uh, take a walk around the neighborhood. Um, it's, a, it's a safe opportunity to uh, re-engage in that way. Um, and I really do anticipate uh, as we look at uh, the ending of the year that if we remain vigilant, if uh, for those uh, who are not tested, uh, vaccinated, please get tested. Uh, for those who are eligible, please get your booster shot. It continues to keep our community uh, healthy and safe. Uh, and I do look forward to vaccinations for children. Uh, that's the biggest group of people in our community that we all care about that is not eligible for vaccination um, as we speak. And hopefully in the next week or two, uh, vaccines will become available. And I surely encourage every parent uh, to get their child vaccinated. It's the best thing we can do for them. It's the best thing we can do for our community. So thank you so much for this opportunity. One final question before you go. We know that you are a big UH Athletics fan. Wahine Volleyball is welcoming fans this weekend for the first time. Might we see you at the Simplify Arena this weekend for any <laughs> UH games or uh, any plans to go to any of the uh, upcoming UH football games as well? I, I certainly uh, plan to attend one of these, um, either Wahine or, or football games. You know, it's just a matter of kind of working through the schedule. Uh, it would be great, Ryan. You know what it's like being uh, at the stadium or in the arena. It, uh, uh, it's amazing what the athletes um, put out and all that they go through. And this pandemic has e even made it worse. Um, and it's, uh, it's really inspiring to see um, how much they uh, are willing to represent our community. And I think most importantly, you know, the athletes come from all around, Ryan. Um, several of them are really local, um, but they come from all around the world and they represent our community. They truly embrace the law spirit. They understand what they mean to our community and they definitely don't want to let um, their fans down. So I really do look forward to having fans uh, at the Wahine um, volleyball game. Uh, and we will be uh, re relaxing restrictions as we go so we can get bigger and bigger crowds, uh, which really the athletes deserve in a safe way. All right. Well, well, maybe we'll see you soon there on the lower campus. Until then, thanks again, Governor, for joining us this morning. 
Yeah, aloha. Aloha, thank aloha. you. Always great to hear from the governor. And you know, one of the big headlines coming out of our conversation this morning was those details on the rollout of vaccines for kids. Uh, he is anticipating that there will be approval on the 2nd and 3rd of November, sometime right around there when the CDC is meeting. And following that, he said the shipments could arrive in Hawaii and start getting shots into arms as early as November 8th. Hawaii is expecting to receive 40,000 doses to start, of course, with more to come. And it does sound like compared to the last time we talked that the distribution plan uh, has really evolved and that they're not just relying on pediatricians offices, but that the rollout will largely be at clinics and schools, of course, with a lot of documented approvals from parents along the way to make sure that the parents really do agree with getting their kids vaccinated. That's right. We also got more information about the changes that will be happening uh, come November 8th as well for the return of international visitors being allowed back into the country under the new guidelines that have been set forth by the White House. The governor is saying that they are making efforts to reach out to foreign countries to be able to get uh, examples, if you will, of what vaccination cards look like in Australia, in some of the other foreign countries, in Asia as well, uh, to allow that uh, opportunity to provide those to businesses so they have an idea of what to look out for when those international travelers return and with some of those restrictions that require people to show proof of vaccination upon entering their establishments. The governor is saying that they are looking for ways to help to create a more seamless process, not only for the visitors, but also for these establishments, but uh, also something like not uh, a lot of changes happening for the most part uh, with safe travels program that the state will continue to march forward with what they have rolled out and, and find ways to implement these new international restrictions uh, and, and rules. Yeah, and he didn't want to give us a date in terms of when masks could be lifted or any of the other restrictions going away. He did say that uh, he is confident the marathon will take place, but that it will look very different. Of course, Japanese visitors usually make up thousands of the entrants in that race, and they will not be uh, participating at a, at a large scale in the same way this year, uh, but that that event will go forward. But no details yet on when he wants to lift other restrictions, gathering sizes, what have you. He is taking a measured approach. He is also warning the community to expect an uptick in uh, cases following the Thanksgiving holiday because he does expect local residents to go to the mainland and mainland folks to come here and with travel of course especially returning residents we have seen in the past that can lead to an increase in the case counts we are going to be shifting gears on wednesday and traveling to hawaii island that's why we're going to be talking with mayor roth uh, to talk about some of the things that are happening over there on the big island uh, how they continue to manage COVID 19. they have lifted some of the restrictions I wanted to get an update on how that has impacted the overall health and safety of the community, as well as other issues right now uh, that are happening there on Hawaii Island. A lot going on uh, with the volcano, of course, uh, drawing a lot of visitors as well to the uh, the crater there and just trying to get an update on other things that are happening there on Hawaii Island. Again, that conversation will be on Wednesday at 1030 right here uh, on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Until then, stay safe and have a great rest of your day. Aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii was brought to you by Chaminade University.